Thank you so much for listening today. We have a really, really exciting show. Um, Alexander Blaine, creator of Bueno, It Means Good, will be joining us on today's episode. And so um, I'm really excited for you guys to hear his story. I met Alex through my fiance, Anthony. Um, So I've gotten to know, know a little bit about his story. And I've been really encouraged and inspired by his story. So I think it's going to be a really, really good one. Um, So before we jump into our conversation with Alex, let's get into segment number one. So what's good? So during segment number one, we talk about good things that are going on in my life. I talk about some not so great things going on in my life. Uh, I share a few goals and sometimes I like just to talk about like a, a different topic and subject that's kind of been on my mind. And so um, let's get into kind of what's going good. So what's going good is last weekend I actually got to be part of a uh, Mo Vintage photo shoot. Um, as you guys all know, if you listen to the previous episode, um, Erica Mo's episode, and if you haven't, I encourage you to go back and listen to it because it's super um, just such a great story she's been through so much but dang she is just such a strong boss woman but anyway so erica has her um her project mo vintage um where she sells vintage clothing and she does all kinds of uh, photo shoots and uh last weekend we went ahead and we did one um she had been planning this one for a minute and it was inspired by like 80s 90s like boss babe type of um just that's the like that's the theme like think about like early 90s um like with the big hair it was so fun it was really cool to to do that again I haven't done a shoot like that in so long in a few years and it was really cool so I'm really really grateful for the fact that Erica invited me to be a part of that and um I got to do it with uh, Cassie and Angel which are just like I don't know just like goals like I'm like the awkward friend that's like what do I do with my hands I don't know what to do and they're just like bitch they're like let's go yeah so I'm just really excited to see the photos and yeah it's just was a great time and it was a great time to just hang out with my homegirls and you know spend some time I know all of us are just all so busy we got a lot going on but it was just really cool just to just to hang out um another good thing is I'm starting individual therapy I'm kind of scared. So I haven't, I haven't started yet. Um, I haven't, I kind, I've met my therapist. I've introduced myself to him, but I haven't started. So I'm a little apprehensive, but I'm just trying to be open and go with the flow of the process. Yeah, I just want to be, uh, you know, I want to be a good wife. You know, we're going to be getting married next year. I want to be a good mother one day, and you know, I just want to make sure that I'm good and I'm in a good place so that when I get into those positions, I'm like the best that I could be and obviously we can't be perfect but we can work towards becoming better and so you know that's kind of like the thought behind going into individual therapy and so you guys will hear about it you'll hear if it's great you'll hear if it sucks you'll hear if I need a new therapist you'll hear if my therapist is the best you'll hear all about it 
um what's going not so good so erica's episode was like so hard to edit it took me like a few days and lots of hours to edit i spent like hours on hours just like days would pass by and i was just editing editing and editing just trying to figure it out so first of all i love erica but now we talk so much it's because we're homegirls we just talk so much and so her episode initially was two hours and 25 minutes and that was just us talking and that wasn't even my first segment that was just like her and i talking and hearing her story so it was just like a lot which meant i had to really learn to to edit to really edit everything down and that's why you when you listen to it it's like like it's like back to back like just talking and talking and talking because literally i had to do that in order for me to compact it and make it a hunt an hour and 40 minutes which i still felt like i try i want to keep it to one hour and 30 minutes but i'm just like whatever at this point like it is what it is and when there are when it's a good story like people are gonna listen and it you know we got a lot of great feedback from people so even though it was a lot of work i'm just feeling really good about it and i'm still feeling really critical about um just my work with with the podcast but i'm just trying to figure it all out i'm learning different things on GarageBand every week and so i know i'm only gonna get better and better i know one day when i listen back to these first few episodes i'm gonna be like oh my gosh like girl what are you doing but it's all good it's gonna build character and it's gonna make me a better person in terms of my podcast anyway that's another thing that was bad but actually is gonna be a good thing in the end because it's gonna make me better um another thing that's like not so good is i've been feeling a little bit of anxiety and just feeling overwhelmed um i think part of that was the whole for sure that part of editing and just having like just having that pressure of like what am i gonna do like i've been doing this editing for hours and days and i'm still not done i i think it was monday night so i released episodes on wednesday so Monday night, I was trying to finish editing everything, and for a second, I thought I, like, like my stuff didn't get saved, and I thought I deleted everything, or something happened, and I thought it was all deleted, and I had a moment of, like, like a freak out, like, oh my god, what do I do? It's gone, and then um, I was just like, you know, if I can't do this, like, I can't release the episode, like, if, if I deleted it, it's over, like, I can't release this episode, I'm gonna have to, like, wait another week, or wait a few days, like, what am I gonna do? And, um, I kind of want, I kind of wanted to laugh and I kind of was like, okay, God, like for sure. And then I figured out what was wrong and I fixed it and then it was all okay. So (laughs) that was a really, really like just a hard moment, but I'm learning and I'm, you know what? I need to have some more balance in my life. You know, it's always go, go, go. And it's always think about what's next and it's never just sit with what's going on in process and it's like it's funny i had a conversation with eleanor about that today and how she said like i don't have time to just chill and just to think you know about how i'm feeling and you know i think a lot of us do that a lot of us just go 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 we have work we have relationships we have to maintain we have a million things going on and we just don't ever check in with ourselves and It's really important for us to just just check in and say, hey, I'm feeling a little anxious. Why am I feeling anxious? And get to the core of that. The reason why I was feeling anxious is I was just feeling overwhelmed and I just needed a break. And there just hasn't been any breaks because we went to a wedding. We had, I had the photo shoot with Mo Vintage. You know, I have, you know, I recorded an Alex episode. (laughs) Um, So it's just like a lot. It's always a lot. But you know what? At the end of the day, I'll say I'm just so blessed and I feel like, 
I rather be busy and have all this going on and have a lot of amazing people in my life and be working towards a bigger goal than to not, right? But at the end of the day, I do need to have some more balance and just to show a little bit of love to myself and do all of that, but also still maintain my sanity. Um, new goals for the month um, or for the next two weeks, I guess just finding balance and getting some rest. I, I, have, I get really like, I don't have great sleep. And so if you guys have any um, ideas on how you can get better sleep, like any tips, please let me know because I need them. Um, So I don't know. I I think that it's just all about balance, Um, you know, being able to work hard, but play hard and mellow out hard, I guess you can say. Um, So I guess that's my goal for the next month or the next two weeks. Um, Really briefly, I wanted to talk about something I know last week or two weeks ago, I talked a little bit about manifestation this week i wanted to touch on vision and so um if you guys have ever heard of that popular book called the secret a lot of people really like that book got famous and a lot of people really like that book well the secret helped me understand how important vision is um it teaches so that book teaches you to ask for what you want to believe you already have it which means visualizing what you want and thinking about what it would feel like if you already had it and then if you do those things the universe will conspire to give it to you and you will receive it and so vision is such a big part of that vision or visualizing is so, is just like such a important part of creating the life that we want And the thing about it is that we have to be able to identify what it is that we want in order for us to visualize it. So identifying that to see it is important. And from there we can shift, we can begin to shift and begin to to really truly believe in our heart that we can get that thing while we're we're still working for it. We're still moving, shifting things in our life for that thing. And then finally we can receive that thing. I just wanted to share a, a little story about my life and how um, vision helped create manifestation and something, you know, I welcome something into my life. You know, moving to LA and finding a job in higher education were things that I really, really wanted. And through the, those things happening in my life, it kind of just proved to me that manifestation was real. And so those things wouldn't have happened had I not had vision. And so in my head, I saw myself in LA. I saw myself finding an apartment at a reasonable price that I can actually afford. I saw myself working somewhere like Pasadena, maybe, because I always thought Pasadena was sick. Um, I saw myself working with college students. I saw things for myself that, you know, even other people were like, you're tripping, girl. You know, I remember talking to one of Anthony's mom's friends and just kind of telling her what I wanted, what I wanted to do, and she was just like, "You're never gonna find a job like that. You're never gonna know that's not gonna like it's not easy." And she was just like speaking from a place from like projecting from her experiences, and that was really like whack because I really still after that conversation I felt like, "Yeah, you're wrong. I'm gonna figure it out." You know, people will tell me like, "Yeah, you know, your price range is unrealistic. You'll never gonna you're never gonna find a place like that in LA." You know, even when my resume didn't have any higher education experience, it was like, how am I going to find a job that I like this? Like, how? How is it going to happen? And although all those things were against me, I just didn't care. I didn't care because I believed 
in my gut i believed that that was what i was supposed to do like i just knew it and i had that vision i had that vision that i needed to be in la i needed to grow and i needed to leave the ie so i felt like la there's there's a lot of things out there that i didn't know and that I, there i could discover and i could you know venture off into i knew that there was more that i can give into my career i knew that my future was was somewhere else which was here I knew deep down in my core and I didn't believe anybody and I didn't let anybody get into my head and discourage me from what I felt I needed to do. And it's not to say that I didn't have ugly moments where I just questioned myself or discouraging moments like, you know, not finding a job for a whole entire year. Of course, I felt helpless. I, of course, I felt, you know, like, is this going to happen for me? Of course. But you know what? At the end of the day, when you know, you just know and you just keep going. You keep fighting for that. I felt that God, I felt like the universe, they were just testing me. They were just testing me like, hey girl, how bad do you want it? And I just really wanted it badly, so I just didn't give up. And so anyway, I just hope that my story can be a little bit encouraging to you. Um, Whatever you're working towards, you know, whether it's big, whether it's small, whatever dream you have, you know, just know that if you feel at your core, that's what you're supposed to do. Don't stop moving towards that thing. Don't stop, you know, putting your passion out there. Don't give up. Keep going. You got this. Like if it's for you, it's for you. Whatever is for you is for you, regardless of whatever you think or whatever odds are against you. Just kind of trust in that and um, see what happens. <laughs> let's jump into segment number two and let's hear Alexander Blaine's story. So before we jump into our conversation with Alexander Blaine, I kind of just wanted to give a little background on him. Um, One reason that I love kicking it with Alexander Blaine is because he's an amazing DJ. He just has like the best song selection. So I know that like when Amp's like, hey, you know, Alex is going to be DJing tonight. I'm like, I'm in. Like if you have nothing going on and we don't have to go to work the next day, I'm in because I know that he's going to play the jams. Another thing that I wanted to talk about is his brand, Bueno, It Means Good. And through Bueno, Alex pays homage to his Latin roots and hopes to create authentic connection with Latinos building community here in LA. And a few months ago, he got Bueno into Urban Outfitters, which is such a great accomplishment. I feel like it's only the beginning of of Alex's story and there's so much more for him. You know, Alex's story has many themes, but the one that sticks out to me is vision, is what I just talked about, vision. He had vision. He knew what he wanted. And there was points and times where he was like, you know what, I'm going to have that. You know, and he's accomplished all these little things here and there by carrying the love and the influence that he gained from Florida, from New York, from his family. You know, the music that people were, you know, that in his life influenced him with his friends, his, you know, sneakers, his loves for sneakers and Nike for fashion and and so much more. And all of that has made him who he is and it created vision for the things that he wants. And I hope that, you know, you guys all take something positive from his story and from his experiences. And I hope that he accomplishes, you know, so much more. And I know he will. So without further ado, welcome Alexander Blaine. What's up? What's up? What's up? So, how did you get that name? Okay. <laughs> so, just to be, like, super transparent, like, this portion literally we had to do, like, twice over because I was like, I really want to 
discuss the name portion because Yesenia was kind of like, do I call you by your real last name yeah. or your, I guess what they call a stage name? Or like an alias, yeah. Yeah, your alias. So my last name is actually Bejolt. Alexander Bejolt is my real name, but I go by Alexander Blaine. I really didn't want my government out there, whether it was insecurity or whatever. Uh, I just didn't want my last name floating around out there. For Understandable. Wh- for whatever the reasons are. And I was w- one time watching this movie called Casablanca. Mm-hmm. And there was this actor. Um, either way, the character, his last name was Blaine. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's from the movie where they say, we'll always have Paris. He falls in love with a girl, blah, blah, blah. She comes back. She's in love with another guy. She's still feeling him. He basically cuts her off for the well-being of, you know, the French at that time, it was like during the Second World War, her, her boyfriend was like a refugee or whatever, and she gives him a kiss before she goes on the plane with the other guy, and he basically tells her, we'll always have Paris because that's where they fell in love. Mm. And he made a sacrifice for the greater good of humanity. So I was like, if I want to embody something, I feel like with everything that I do, I want to somehow sacrifice for the greater good of humanity. Mm-hmm. And from that, I took on the alias of Blaine. Um now that you've given me that background, I respect the name a lot more. Yeah. Because sometimes people are like, oh, you're so proud to be, you know, Latino, Hispanic. Why do you have like a whitewash mm. name? So, Alex, tell me a little bit about um, your childhood and your upbringing. Okay. So, I mean, just so if this is your first time hearing about me or anything like that, I'm from a small town outside of Orlando called Kissimmee, Florida. It's where <laughs> Mickey Mouse is. It's basically a hospitality and shopping uh, community that's like all the jobs hotels things like that so if you don't want to like work in that industry then that little town may not be for you <laughs> but I love it I'm literally wearing a shirt from Kissimmee right now that says hey. the world's largest orange <laughs> and it just has like a huge orange on it just because like the type of novelty stuff that like I grew up around but yeah growing up in Florida was different you know I definitely see the difference in the people that I come across here in you know Los Angeles mm-hmm. and not that one is better than the other at all mm-hmm. you know I love you know everybody's story I feel like everybody's a book and when you meet somebody new you have an opportunity to read the pages of that book and you decide if a chapter in it's not for you (laughs) or if you want to be a part of that book Mm -hmm. so uh, just coming across here I realized how different you know my upbringing was being that it was people think Florida especially they think Disney Miami they don't really see it as like a country you know upbringing but I grew up like breeding lizards Mm -hmm. and like like going outside and catching turtles with my friends and we I grew up by these like two lakes actually funny story when we originally moved from New York so I was born in the Bronx and my parents moved me to Florida when I was really young and we all stayed in this like one bedroom apartment four of us Mm -hmm. so my parents were just getting on their their feet my dad was like I got $500 in my account like I got this truck I want to be a plumber like I got my family this you know New York lifestyle is not Mm-hmm. how he wants to raise his kids mm-hmm. so they decided to pack us up and leave yeah. so we're in this little apartment and uh we'll talk more about my brand as time goes on but i'm trying to like get certain stories <laughs> out that i feel like are really important you gotta like line everything up before we get there there used to be this lake and my mom used to tell me because my mom is big in science she loves science and sci-fi so she would tell me so that I makes wouldn't, total sense <laughs> she would tell me so i wouldn't drown in the lake because i didn't know how to swim yet that there was a big squid in there <laughs> And if I went in, the squid would get me. So I was really wary of, like, lakes and bodies of water because my mom instilled this fear in me. Uh, but, yeah, Florida was was wonderful. I love Florida. It'll always have a special place in my heart. And it was a very, very interesting and different upbringing. And I'm glad that I was able to 
experience wildlife and animals, it really opened a door for me to care about the world that we live in. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense with the type of person that you are. And we'll talk about mm-hmm. Prince later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who's that um, guy? But um, talk a little bit about your mother and your father and their influence with the, their music at an early early age. That's also something, too, if you guys don't know, like DJing is something that I, I really enjoy. Um, it's definitely a hobby of mine, a passion project, and something that I feel like music has always been instilled in me from a young age, mm-hmm. um, multitude of genres as well. So my dad is half black, half Puerto Rican. He mm-hmm. more so... Um, associates in my opinion from my view you know sonically with uh like funk groove Mm -hmm. you know growing up in uh, Brooklyn New York at such a young age uh my mom is from like the country in Puerto Rico Lares so she grew up a completely (laughs) different way and you know it was like whenever they had the opportunity to play music it really broadened my horizons Mm -hmm. of like hey this is salsa this is merengue this Mm -hmm. is bachata this is like your roots this is the blood that runs through you and that's Mm -hmm. in your veins and then my dad is like hey don't forget like this marvin gay shit right here (laughs) like this luther right here like it would and it always kind of tricked me out because my dad was never like an emotional guy even Mm -hmm. still to this day Mm -hmm. but the music that he's choosing to play is music for people who are very in tune with themselves and their emotions. So it kind of gave me always like a glimpse. Music was just kind of like that pathway to my dad and kind of the way he uh, compartmentalized his life. Mm -hmm. Um, And then hip hop, my brother, who was 10 years older than me, he was always like, you know, pretty much like an idol you know what I mean yeah. like I would see him do something I want to do it of too course. like oh why this little he... brother always wants to do what big brother does yeah so, so he's the one who, like my brother was playing sports I wanted to play sports my brother was outside I want to be outside my brother listened to loud music I want to listen to loud music <laughs> so I don't know exactly but the only memory that really sticks out to me he had bought this red f-150 it was like his first truck <laughs> and he put like two 12s in it so 12s rattle especially in a pickup truck like that's huge like my mom hated riding in that car <laughs> So he's like, yo, listen, man, there's this artist. Don't tell mom I played him for you. His name is DMX. <laughs> and then I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, like, I know you've been listening to, like, hip-hop on the radio. Like, I hear you, like, gravitating towards it. Mm-hmm. But, like, this is some shit your, like, mom don't want us listening to. <laughs> and I was like, oh, for real? Like, yo, let me hear that. And then from there, like, you know, that just opened Pandora's box of, like, the locks and Jada Kiss. And then when I got older, discovering Dipset and, like, all that wave of New York music. Because my brother moved old enough to where he still was like a New York kid mm. and I didn't really have that so yeah. my brother was the one who really put me on like the north those were like his roots yeah those yeah. are his roots of like Jay-Z yeah. all that Nas like my brother was like this is like what hip-hop is mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then growing up in the south being around my friends and it was like no this is what hip-hop is <laughs> But it helped because it allowed me to like have a wide range of music. Yeah, it sounds like through your mom and your dad and your friends and then your brother, you had a very uh, large range of music, which yeah. makes total sense. And we'll talk about DJing in a little bit, but it makes total sense. And it kind of gives me that window into you and why, you know, you play certain music Absolutely. and why you were so you, you're just so broad. You got so much. Um, there's so much in, in your lane. Right. So you mentioned your brother was 10 years older than yeah. you. Talk a little bit about what that was like. Uh, I mean, I felt like I was always kind of chasing him around, mm-hmm. you know, like I remember, I know my mom, I don't know what my mom listened to this. Either way, I'm, I feel like I'm squealing on him because she doesn't really know, but I'll say it anyway. <laughs> but he would have like girls over yeah, yeah, and stuff like that, like his homies and yeah. like they would be like in the pool or like hanging out in the back like any other teenagers would do. Yeah. And it was just kind of like, hey, get out of here. Like, you know, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, and I'm just like, 
I'm the cute little kid, you know, like, what's <laughs> up? Like, I want to jump in the pool too, you know? But uh, we just always had that age gap. But I do feel like those times that my parents weren't around because my dad worked so much. Mm-hmm. And then my mom was kind of more, like, it was a traditional, like, not how households were. I feel like how we look at relationships now is like millennials. It's mm-hmm. more like dad is the provider, breadwinner, mom yeah. takes care of the kids. So when my mom wasn't around, it was my brother's responsibility to really raise me. So I pick up a lot of like habits and things from him that, you know, my mom would be like, where where do you learn that? Or like, where are you learning those words and stuff like that? And my <laughs> brother's like, you know, hiding like, Gosh. oh, he's like, I've been playing for me. explicit lyrics, you know what I mean? <laughs> stuff like that. But um yeah, I appreciate him, and I know for sure, unfortunately, he won't hear this, but, like, I love you, and I appreciate you. Aw, let's just hope he does. I'm What's gonna your I'm going to send him the link. His name is David. David. Shout David, out to David. David Raymond. That joke. Right. <laughs> I put his whole government out. Well, damn. Um, talk a little bit about what high school is like. <laughs> high school, man, high school was, like, really, first of all, shout out Gateway. That was the high school I went to, Gateway. We were the Panthers, Panther Pride. The Panthers. We had, I had like my little clique of friends that, you know, I really, you know, I still keep in contact with some of them to this day. Some of them have kids, some of them have, you know, get married. But we went to like a really, really Latino or minority driven school. Mm -hmm. It was like, it was, you know, like Spanish or excuse me, uh, Puerto Ricans, Dominicans and African American. We didn't really have South American uh, or white kids like that really in our school and I remember when I first got there they had like a center for just kind of give you guys a picture the whole school is gated mm. and so you drive into the school mm-hmm. and then they close the gate behind it mm-hmm. like during like whatever and they had like a freshman center and in the freshman center part of the wing before was a freshman center was an area where like girls who had kids early mm. could drop their children off and still get an education wow. so that kind of gives you a window of like what kind of, you know, and I feel like a lot of young girls who develop early, Mm. uh, they don't have the experience to navigate amongst grown men or older guys. And that's how those sort of things happen, which are unfortunate. But I think now you don't see it as often. I don't think maybe because I'm not in high school. I think kids are more educated now. Kids are now. more educated. Yeah, I, feel I like. think like social media and just mm-hmm. like the access to web, like yeah. they could like you can ask questions online. Whereas before, it's like I don't know, like this is how you get pregnant. Yeah, like oh he likes me, you know, like <laughs> it was different. So it yeah. was it was good. Um, I had a lot of crushes. I played a lot of basketball. I did through a lot of parties. I was like a hallway high guy. Like everybody kind of knew who I was, but. Nobody really knew me, knew me. Mm-hmm. I only let like a few people in, which is kind of how I am today. Mm-hmm. You know, I yeah. had like a circle of friends. And then outside of that, I was kind of like, oh, what's up? I know you. Like, you know, I'm a, what they call a social butterfly. So. I can, yeah, he definitely is. Yeah, I, I uh, think, yeah. bounce around and, you know, it's a, uh, but high school was interesting. You know, it was, uh, it was a great time. For Talk sure. a little bit about basketball in high school, what that was like. I mean, that was my passion. Like I had, again, my group of friends, I had a separate group of friends from my neighborhood mm-hmm. that I would play basketball with. And then I had my separate high school friends that mm-hmm. I would play basketball with. So I had a lot of, you know, pressure from my father who played private school basketball mm-hmm. to like play at school and play leagues. Mm-hmm. And I felt like that pressure kind of took me away from the game because it started to feel like 
more of a job yeah, yeah versus like a passion so it would be like even if i was just like shooting around with my friends outside he would come out afterwards and be like you're not going inside because like i saw the way that you were playing wow. and you have work to do you know when it's like i was just hanging out with my friends not taking it serious but that's why i also tip my hat to professional athletes because i guess you really know you're built for it when somebody comes and tells you that and that still feels like fun yes and it's it still feels like that's that's you know what? Yes, I do need to do that. The desire to mm-hmm. want to continue to do it. Mm-hmm. I think that's, and, and I've been in that situation too, where a parent is like really driving you to play a sport and it really does take the fun out yeah. of it. And it makes you just be like, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. So I, I identify I w- with you. I would get so nervous sometimes. I didn't want my parents to come to the games. Yeah. Cause if you mess up or something, they're going to talk, sh- they're going to tell you later. Yeah, they would. But you know, it is, I like act like it's, you know, I'm glad at the same time because yeah. I feel like if I have a kid, I feel like team sports are something that more kids should be doing these 100%. days. My nephew, he's in team sports. Whether he's getting the physical exercise, it's not yep. necessarily always about that. Mm-hmm. It's more so about like learning teamwork, yes. being around other people, learning to be social, learning mm-hmm. to communicate. And I feel like team sports definitely helped me with that. And basketball definitely helped me with that, too, because I was playing so many different leagues, so many different seasons. I was meeting kids from different schools. Mm -hmm. You know, it was a yeah, I love the game of basketball. I still play to this day. I think I really want to touch on this really quick. I like how you said how a basketball t- teaches kids a lot of other things besides like playing a sport. Yeah. I think it's really important to highlight that basketball teaches kids discipline. It Absolutely. teaches them like communication skills. It teaches them um, just a lot of things that we don't talk about. It's like it's kind of equivalent to like when you are in the workplace, like you're a team. So whatever skills you learned mm-hmm. when you were a kid, like you apply those it's to the work. Accountability as well. Exactly. Sports, sports do that. So even though I don't have kids. I will I will take one day my children if they want to try it, you know, yep. they want to give it a shot. I would definitely be open to whatever sport that my son or daughter um would would be interested in. I agree. Talk a little bit about um getting into sneakers and fashion while you were in high school. So yeah, I had a couple homies that were always fresh. They were always <laughs> fresh and you know, being that I had family in New York still, like I would travel to New York and I would see that the people there were just dressing differently. Mm. You know, it's like you're going from like a country outlet Sort of, and when I say outlet, like that's where people were shopping. The malls really didn't have like the new fresh gear at that time, you know. Yeah. So you had like your Urban Outfitters. Mm-hmm. You had like two small skate shops, Covert and Galactic G, um, at that time, and they were the only ones that really had like anything quote unquote cool. Yeah. And I was like, all right, like you know, I get it. But when I went started going to New York, and I was old enough to like travel the city by myself, that's when I really got a perspective of like oh, there's, like, other cool shit that makes me feel cool because these people are, like, interested in the same things I'm interested in. Mm. So it was an opportunity to, like, broaden my horizons. And then uh, when we were growing up, my mom and my dad really couldn't afford to give us Nikes. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I got my first pair of Nikes, we were at the outlet, and I was like, I'm going to be a manager in this place one time. (laughs) But And I did become... A manager you later manifested on. That. Yeah. You manifested that. You know, later on in my in my story. But that also goes to show like product of environment. Like that mm-hmm. was such a really like a narrow minded statement. Like that's what you saw. That was like the biggest dream. Yeah, you yeah. know, and it was like once I got there I realized like it wasn't as fulfilling. Yeah. But yeah, just sneakers and, and fashion. I would go to New York, buy stuff, bring it back to yeah. home and to school, and people would be like, What? Like what's up, man? You know what I mean? You're like, what's this? You know? And I'm like, yo, like, this is like, you know, Dave Quality Me's like, this is A-Life, you know? Like, these are these brands, you know? And like, they're just, they were just unaware mm-hmm. of those things. But they caught on because the internet, 
Yeah. So the internet really kind of opened the floodgates, I think now more than ever. But yeah. even then, like, you were meeting people like on MySpace. It's like, yeah. oh, okay, I'm your friend. Now you're now I'm adding your friends from your hood. You adding, you know what I mean? And then it all just became like a melting pot yeah. for that. So, uh, yeah, I remember I did campouts. <laughs> I did all that stuff. Like, you name it, like, I, I did that. That was me. I tried to skate. Didn't did not work out. Wasn't for me. Talk about oh, you mentioned this to me when we talked. Yeah. Talk about um, you know, when you got your car and you were in high school and you were dipping. Oh man. <laughs> okay, so my brother worked at SeaWorld. So rest in peace, my friend Sam. His mom worked at SeaWorld. And I told my brother, like, hey, I really like need a job, whatever. Like, mom is buying me stuff. And he's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> like, I see you, you know, boom, boom, boom. So I ended up getting a job at SeaWorld. It wasn't enough for me to buy a car. So at that time, I was already collecting shoes. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to start, like, selling these shoes, mm. boom, boom, boom. Even though I really didn't want to. Uh, I never want to, but I just <laughs> needed to because I needed a car. Yeah. And plus, I was like... You know how dope it would be to pull up 11th grade with the V? Like, come on. Like, so 11th grade, boom, pull up with the car, got the car, Mitsubishi Galant, pearl white. I put speakers in it just like my brother had speakers in his. You know, I was burning. Like, I had, like, one of those crazy-ass books with mad burned CDs from LimeWire yes. and FrostWire. And, like, I was going to Kmart, buying CDs, going to Target, buying CDs, like, on release day. Because, you know, you used to go to Target, and they yes. used to have them right in the front when you walk in. Like, new release, boom, okay, I'm going to grab these. Like, we're out. So, my brother actually used to take me to do that, too, so I could get the explicit version. Because my mom would be like, mm-mm. <laughs> like, I don't see the little square with the parental advisory. Like, uh, So, having a car was dope because we could leave on lunch. Yeah. So I could go like hit the Taco Bell, mm-hmm. go get me a little black and mild wood tip wine. <laughs> you know, yeah, I used to be on the on the. That's a, that's another thing too. I feel like here people don't really smoke black and milds because nah. you can smoke weed, but yeah, um, yeah, black and mild wood tip wine. That used to be my joan. You talked a little bit about throwing parties in high school. Mm-hmm. Talk about that. Yeah. So really, uh, I gotta give credit to like Joseph Sotomayor and Michael Sotomayor, Jordan St. Louis. Ryan Buhane, Jaime Maldonado, like, they were popular in high school, and they were my friends. So it was like... So you were popular? No, no, no. I was popular by association. <laughs> all right. So, and Perry, first of all, Perry, if you ever listen to this, bro, you the freshest dude in high school. Like, you were so fresh, dog. Like, I, he don't get the credit, like, he deserves, because he was, like, wearing Vans and shit, like, on some stylish shit, how people wear them now. Back then, people were, like, Vans, and he yeah. was like, yeah, like, he brought beanies in. Dang. <laughs> he was like, yo, it's not hot. Why you rocking a beanie? He's like, yo, because that's I'm fresh, you know? Like, it was so, shout out to him. But, yeah, as a unit, you know, we were just all really good-looking, charismatic guys. <laughs> and we would just rent hotels at Westgate or, like, these motels. I don't know if a lot of you guys have seen the Florida Project. If you haven't, go see that. It's a very honest look into kind of where I'm from. Mm-hmm. Um, we would get like rooms in those hotels and like there was even this one party this girl threw up in my shoe like I was so angry (laughs) it was a party it really opened my eyes to not necessarily making money Mm -hmm. but just like a different way to have fun Mm. and then that's when I got introduced to weed and alcohol 
and uh, slacking and procrastination and all that other stuff that comes with partying and staying out late. So Sounds like a lot of stuff that people go through in high school. So Yeah, it was great. So you've mentioned Halloween Horror Nights many times with me and Anthony. Yes. And you're really, really into Love that. Um, and you, from my understanding, you've started doing that since you were in high school. Yep. That's when it started. And that's in Florida as well, Correct. right? It's huge in Florida. So it's huge. Like, yeah. let's talk started a little bit. <laughs> let's talk a little bit about Halloween and Horror Nights and talk a little bit about how holidays in your in, at home with your family were a big deal. Well, first of all, I'm Hispanic, Puerto Rican, Latino, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. We love holidays. Like we find any reasons. It could be a baby shower. We get in, we get in bottles. Like if it's a quinceañera, there's bottles. Like somebody's birthday. Like the next door neighbor bought a new dog. Like it does not matter. Like we're gonna find a reason to like hang out. And uh, my cousin Barbie, she was like, "Hey, let's go to Halloween Horror Nights." You know, <laughs> and it was funny because it was like my aunt during the summers kind of raised me, Titi Becky. Mm-hmm. I will go to her house a lot, and she kind of, like, introduced me to, like, Jerry Springer and, like, horror movies and, like, other things that my mom wouldn't let me watch <laughs> because she was kind of just, like, doing her own thing. She was, like, a little younger, so she's like, oh, you know, y'all cool. Like, I was watching my, like, little cousin at the time, and we were just like, I'm not even old enough to watch him, but it's fine. Like, <laughs> we're just going to hang out and watch this. So kind of when my cousin saw that, that switch sort of flip, she was like, Halloween Horror Nights, I know you really love Halloween because I always used to get dressed up, go around like town, like my neighborhood, my friends on bikes, throwing eggs, boom, whatever, like regular <laughs> kid, like yeah. Halloween team stuff. And I just fell in love with it, man. I just <laughs> love Halloween. I love specifically Halloween Horror Nights. It's just like a really good immersive experience. And I'm like huge on installations and customer <laughs> experiences. Okay. So I feel like if you can create something that submerges somebody in something so much that it removes their mind from their daily mm. stresses and like from reality yeah from reality it it really it's a, it's a special moment mm-hmm. that even in my brand or like in my parties i want to create i want to build something that you're you know inside of things are starting to make sense to me yeah. i understand so, okay like the amount of money the houses to me the houses were the craziest thing like that they would make these things really look like you're walking through the set of a, of a movie, mm-hmm. which, I mean, in reality, that's what it is. They take, like, famous movies and they build these houses, and that's what you're walking through. Yeah. So, yeah, I think last year I went, like, over 20 times. I bought, like, the pass, <laughs> and I go, and I always recommend all my friends because the thing is it's not necessarily about being scared. It's, like, more like jump scares. You know, it gets mm-hmm. your adrenaline going. It's just a fun time, and I think, like, <laughs> everybody should, like, try. I think there's, like, this thing of, like, I'm going to punch somebody or whatever. Like, no, you're not. Just relax. <laughs> you haven't punched somebody in probably, like, five years. Like, <laughs> just relax and go have fun. Holidays, I'm, I love Thanksgiving. Uh, Christmas time is really great for me. Like, I'm a huge Christmas guy. Like, any of my roommates here in L.A. can tell you that, Christmas to me, I never let it slip by. Like mm-hmm. even when I was here one Christmas, I didn't move. I didn't live here yet. I was actually staying here for like three months, just mm-hmm. like on the couch. I dropped my phone. By the way, guys, hit me up, man. My phone be dry, man. Hit me up. Christmas is a huge deal. <laughs> I love Christmas. Um, when I moved here, or not when I was moving here, I was staying here at couch surfing. I even made my roommates or the people I was staying with do Christmas at that time. And like, I just feel like, you know, since I came from a really, a lot of people don't have the blessing and the opportunity to come from a household that is together 
Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes people do like, I could never imagine, even though I'm sure people feel blessed and they feel just as fulfilled from it, but going to a split Christmas mm-hmm. and like having to, people are always like, oh, the two gifts. I'm like, yo, the gift is not the gifts. Mm-hmm. The gifts is like being with the people that you love and being together. And yeah. I feel like my parent, my parents did a really good job of making holidays, not necessarily by like, oh, I got a Nintendo 64 or like, yo, I got a bunch of candy. It was like, hey, we're celebrating as a family. Mm-hmm. And that's what's the most important. Yeah. So I feel like when I moved here, especially that I moved here like basically alone Mm -hmm. you know I knew people but nobody over here is you know a family member of mine yeah I you know I didn't want to lose my morals Mm. and I felt like holidays are a really great time although yes if you want to be like you know super like you should just spend time with your family for holidays it doesn't matter like what the situation is people are always like oh you shouldn't wait for a holiday Mm. like it's built by valentine's day you should love you should show her love you should show her love every day like Okay, you want to be that guy? Cool. That's the hill you want to die on? So be it. (laughs) But me? No. Like, I really feel like it's an opportunity to spread love. And just the energy is different. You know, like, during the holidays, why you think you got so many August babies? People be leaving Thanksgiving, they fool. <laughs> they leaving out of Christmas, New Year's, they drunk. Baby, I love you. you I didn't even cr- realize that was a timeline. You're in the house. Yeah, it's nine months, right? Yep. Thanksgiving, pa, November, they'll get you. You full of turkey, you slumped. Y'all got the honey on my bread. All of a sudden. Done deal. That's, hey, I'm an August baby. But yeah, spend time with your fam for holidays. I'm a huge holiday guy. Thanksgiving, like especially the end of the year. It gives you a great opportunity to whatever you're going through that year, end it strong, end it around people that you love mm-hmm. and do something fruitful, whether it's making, you know, peanut butter and jelly for the homeless or, you know, b- making a turkey for some friends at a potluck or whatever. Uh, I always think it's a great opportunity to like spread love. I learned something new from you. Talk a little bit about what post high school was like. Post high school was different. Um, not to get into too much detail, but there were some situations in my life that didn't allow me to like go certain places and get certain educations and, you know, those things. So, um, although I graduated at 17, you know, which was young, I Mm -hmm. guess, like it was a little early because my birthday, I was always like the youngest one in my class. Mm -hmm. Me too. Um, (laughs) I ended up going to a community college and it was, you know, I'm from much, just to give you guys kind of like an idea of how small the town is from my college, I could see my high school, my middle school, my elementary school. Damn. All in the same vicinity from the fourth floor. So that's how small of a town I'm from. Uh, but just like anybody else, you know, I had my job. You know, I was feeling unfulfilled. I went to New York for some time. Mm-hmm. You know, I was staying with some family over there. It just didn't feel right. And then that's when I really got submerged into, like, I was really collecting sneakers and really, like, into, into like, apparel and streetwear. Because mm-hmm. I was, like, making money at my job. And I was like, you know what? I was working at SeaWorld at the time. Mm-hmm. I got the job at Nike and I quit and I was seasonal. And I'll never forget this guy, Eddie Hickman. I was supposed to be on the register and he was like, you keep wandering into footwear. And I was like, yeah, that's because that's where I want to be. <laughs> and he was like, well, you're going to be fired if you continue to what? go off of where you're supposed to be. And I was like, okay, whatever you say, Eddie. And this guy, Clint, who now works in Nike corporate doing mm-hmm. development was like, you know what? I like you. You're not fired. I'm going to give you an opportunity to stay here. You had that vision. And I, and you had that like, manifestation. I'm going to move you. Shout out Clint. He was running P Plus Magazine at the time. And I was also doing my own blog at that time as well. That was like showcasing local talent, artists. I was helping with this brand called Hair Brain Schemes. Like 
throwing these parties, like really doing. I was doing free parties, like mm. outside, huge picnic parties with like hundreds of people, like 300, 400 people coming to these things, and like it off be free, just because I'm not. I don't want to crown myself. Mm-hmm. I would never do that. You know, people crown you. Mm. But I was huge mm. in like birthing a lot of opportunity and culture in my city back home. Why do you think you? were the type of person that wanted to bring people together and and do parties like what do you think pushed you to want to do that because i had the 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 blessing of being able to go other places and see what was going on Mm. so i brought my lens and perspective back and i saw that people were talented but they were just being products of their own environment they didn't have anybody telling them like yes this idea is tight Mm. you know there was nobody around you that you saw that was like oh you make streetwear like oh like you're X, Y, and Z, like you're a DJ, you're in music, you're in some sort of entertainment industry and you made it. Like people back home don't make it in that, you know, at that time. So that's where that, that post high school era was really that for me, like Mm -hmm. being that springboard for my city of like, Hey, I'm going to, you know, collaborate with local brands and Mm -hmm. local artists and give people opportunity to come and see art and buy new shit. And like, just be themselves and be like, yo, it's okay. Like, yo, if you're an artsy kid and you like hip hop, like that's cool. If you're a you're rock kid, here. yeah. If you're like a rock kid and you're like into video games and you want to meet people, you're welcome here too. Like, there was no, it was just like the, the literally it was called no label. Mm. There was no parameters built around this, and I feel like it was kind of perfect for for the town that I was in because it was just a a bunch of kids that had creative ideas mm-hmm. without a place to feel like they're mm. being championed. Yeah. No outlets. Yeah. Um, and you believed in them. Absolutely. And that really kicked off, like, before I went to New York. Mm-hmm. That was kind of, like, around that time. And I was working at the store called Atmos in Harlem at that time. And I met one of my best friends who's still my friend to this day, E and Chris. And, you know, shout out Tiffany. I believe she just had a baby. So congratulations to her. <laughs> and, um, yeah, being there really shaped my perspective mm-hmm. because it was never about, like, buying things it was about like community mm, okay. and I think like even now at the shop that I work at, at part-time you know commonwealth I think the staff that we have and you know the overall vision of the brand which is for the greater good it does a great job of building a sense of community it's not necessarily yes it's a business it needs to make money but it's not necessarily about uh finance it's mm-hmm. more like about experience and mm-hmm. like brotherhood and family and community and those I think those things make people feel more comfortable and when you're comfortable you want to buy some so yeah that was kind of like my post just like that I was really like into it into it submerged mm-hmm. and going to college for business administration it's really interesting and it's really cool to just hear about how you wanted to give these people like a platform for them to be comfortable and to, you know, put all of their talents on display, um, especially coming from Absolutely. where you came from, you know. My bad, real quick. So shout out Head Chef Market, <laughs> shout out Carlos. Uh, you know, they really were like instrumental in that process. Mm-hmm. Shout out Sebastian, more or less. He was also really instrumental in making that happen shout out big mac again rest in peace shout out prank cc shout out dj jump off shout out dj d kid i'd never forget these people because they're like the springboard yeah they're the people that helped you get to where you are Hell and yeah. that it's the foundation right of, of who you are um and i think it's really awesome just to like your your love um for your community and for togetherness my bad what is one more person i need to shout out go so there's this girl named angie Right. I'm going to give you guys like I'm giving you some like Orlando kissing me history shit like <laughs> that. People are going to be like, yeah, we don't know who the hell these people are and they might not make it. But even if you guys just hear the stories like that's all that matters. 
there's this girl named Angie, and I met her during like a kind of a weird time when I when I first started dating this girl, and Angie was lit, <laughs> like she was popping like weed, drinks, women, men, parties, whatever. She was like that, like you knew Angie, you were good. <laughs> And she used to throw these crazy ass parties. I remember she had like a smoke a thon for her birthday. And to get in, you you had to bring a dub. So mine so just to get in, you had to have two blunts on you. <laughs> like Angie was so tight and she has she had uh two she had a set of twins and then another boy after that and they look like triplets. Wow. Like they literally look exactly the same. But Angie, she was the one who really taught me about the business of parties. Like, okay. hey, like you can make money from this. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you have a lot of people who follow you places. Mm-hmm. It's time to learn how to monetize those things. Yeah. So she was the one who really kind of, uh, during that time as well, that was like, you know what? You're a good-looking, cute kid. <laughs> like, I'm going to bring you over here, and I'm going to show you what it's like to, like, get this, like, sort of money on the side. So, yeah. And all that time, I was still, like, working at Nike. Okay. Yeah. And so we have you who's throwing these parties, uh, you said you got your associates in the business administration. Mm-hmm. She's kind of teaching you a little bit of this mm-hmm. business as well. So you're mm-hmm. just kind of like putting things together with what yeah. you got. Um, awesome. Talk about No Label. You were talking about it. Talk about the blog. Yeah. Um, so uh, kind of similar to what, you know, Amph was talking about on his. It was just like an opportunity. What Bent Life was for Amph, No Label was for, for you. Me. Yeah. It was just like the opportunity because uh, I had met my friend Terrell in high school and he was like had moved from Pittsburgh and he was like me. Mm-hmm. You know, he was like the first one that I was like, oh, like you're actually like me, not mm-hmm. like we're into the same stuff. Like you see what I see. And it was because he was coming from a bigger city. Mm-hmm. So he had like a different he had that perspective of like living somewhere else and doing something else with his time mm-hmm. and coming somewhere where there was opportunity mm-hmm. um, and not much competition. <laughs> so when he was like, oh, I want to make, you know, graphic tees or whatever, you know, I wanted to contribute. My thing was I always had people, mm-hmm. you know, I always had like people asking me like, oh, what's this or what's that? You know, just part of being social mm-hmm. and um, Tumblr was cracking, Yep. you know, and I was like, you know, like Tumblr's tight. Everybody's on Tumblr. This is basically where all the cool shit is coming from after MySpace. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I want to utilize this platform. So like write ups, playlists. You know, spotlighting artists, throwing parties, like, No Label kind of was that, like, that bubble. And if somebody else was doing it and I didn't see it, like, I don't want to act like I'm being Mr. Righteous. Like, it was, I was the only <laughs> one doing that in the city. It's very possible that other people were doing that, too. But guess what? I don't live in other people's lives. I live in mine. So you know. I can only live through my reality, not your perception. And to me at that time, I know what I saw with my own two eyes and I know what came out of it because some of the people who were involved are still doing those things to this day and are successful mm. so i say that that's a a, a credit to their work ethic but mm-hmm. i also credit myself for recognizing that in mm-hmm. someone you know obviously yeah. i didn't put Neither them I. on you know they put yeah. themselves on but i recognize like hey you're good at what you do like let me highlight you. i want to highlight you because mm-hmm. you have taste 100 percent. talk a little bit about um getting your associate's degree and um working at nike what was that like I mean, I love Nike. Nike's my favorite brand, like, still to this day. I just love everything that they do, and I, I try to incorporate, like, the things I learned while I was there, like, being, you know, a leader, mm-hmm. you know, having tough conversations, you know, building uh, organizational skills, mm-hmm. so, like, on the business side of things, like, emails, spreadsheets. Like, people don't really 
understand i feel like sometimes like college will teach you things yes but like knowledge is nothing without application Mm. so although you can go get a degree somewhere like if you're not if you don't have the ability to apply that knowledge like what's the point of having it you know like that's why it's so important to study something that you really are passionate about because you know you're gonna have to apply that knowledge somewhere down the road so nike i was there including you know, we'll talk about me moving here later on, but total of seven years wow. I gave to Nike. So, wow. uh, yeah, I worked in the number one. I started the number three store in the company, got promoted to the number one store in the company. Wow. And um, in the number one department. Damn. And I led them to like, we, I think our store did 60 million that year. Wow. And my department was responsible for 40 million. How of much of that money you see? That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem. That's what made me feel some type of way because yep. at the end of the day I was clocking and I wasn't even writing my name. I was typing mm. a number and I was like Somebody this huge company. this huge company's making all this money off of like my my blood sweat and tears but although I took I still a, a lot of great relationships, you know, if Nike offered me something right now I'd be like let's do it. Um <laughs> yeah. And they're it. great. I love their storytelling. You know, I love how socially conscious they are as a company. I love how they're always making efforts to, you know, uh, also care about our environment, mm-hmm. you know, and be eco-friendly. Mm-hmm. And they're just they're just one of the best companies in the world, period. I don't think anybody could really debate that. Um, but I'm not going to debate that. <laughs> from Nike is where I met a lot of my good friends. Yeah. Um, including Luan James. Uh, <laughs> he's, uh, I mean, he's part of my story. He's yeah. my brother. He'll always be my brother, and I'm super proud of him. And, yeah, some of the things that, again, that's just, like, we're looking at, like, chapters right now of my mm-hmm. life. So mm-hmm. pretty much when I was doing that stuff, I had my own thing going on, and I was still working at Nike full-time, kind of deciding, like, how can I, you know, how can I yeah. make this work? I was, like, hosting clubs mm. at that time and like, getting a couple dollars here and there, you know, <laughs> still, like, selling weed, you know, stuff like that. Um <laughs> And I met him, and he we just had, like, this really organic, like, friendship, and he really didn't have anything going on. Um, and we discovered this app called Vine. Mm-hmm. And we started making videos at work, and we would get in trouble, and one of them went viral, and they made us take it down. They were like, yo, it's your job or this? <gasps> so he was like, oh, man, I'm going to take it down. I was like, all right, cool. And then we were still working together at the time, and he was like, yo, I think I want to do this for real. And I was like, yo, if you want to do this for real, like, I believe in you. That mm-hmm. Again, it's the same thing I was doing with the blog. Like, mm-hmm. I see the talent. I want to, like, be that water yeah. to help you grow, you know. I'm not the sun. I'm not the soil. I just <laughs> want to be that water to give you that little, you know, yep. that little push to, to, to go. But obviously, again, it was him, you mm-hmm. know. Like, he put the work in. He dedicated himself to it. He was the one that was like, yo, I want this. Mm-hmm. So I was like, yeah, I'll help you. Let's do it. And things just started to get fucking crazy. Like, I'm talking about fans coming to the store. They had to move them to the back. I ended up getting a promotion, going to the other store. And all the while, while we were doing this whole Nike stuff, we were traveling and doing tours and meeting fans and doing this. Like, I was signing autographs at one point in my life. We got invited to the White House. Like, I went inside of the White House because they wanted to know what we thought about Latins and social media and, like, what our strategy is in connecting with people. What kind of videos did you guys make? Just to give us a glimpse. Like... Like, what is... Well, your mom wants to hit you with a chancleta, like, stuff like that, you okay, know? Like, okay. just, like, nostalgic okay. Latin upbringing, family, okay, family okay. clean content. Like, there was never, 
you know, and Juan always had that vision because he was always clean. Like I was more like in the street, you know, (laughs) like when I met him, he never even had a beer type of thing. So I was more like in the clubs and he would look at me like, damn, like you popping and all that. And then like, now I'm looking at him like, damn, bro, like (laughs) I'm trying to be like you, you know? So it's a, uh, it was a really great experience. I wouldn't trade it, you know, for the world. And, uh, that was kind of like after that was kind of like my transition. That was my real transitional time of like, finding LA and you know kind of deciding what I wanted to do with my life because things were just moving so fast Mm -hmm. and um I just wanted to make sure that I was finding myself fulfilled in my work Mm -hmm. talk a little bit about that experience though like traveling and and how your life kind of just was a whirlwind like talk maybe about one or two things that that happened around that time travel um I can tell you some good and some bad so I can tell you Juan is the type of guy, and if he was sitting right here, he would tell anybody who knows him personally would, will, will attest to this. There will be times that we will go to like a place like Connecticut, mm-hmm. you know, and not to say anything about Connecticut or whatever, but it will be snowing. Yeah. And there might be like, you know, just to be transparent, might be 10 people in the club, might be three people in the club. Yeah. You know, it, might, it won't be like as lit as if we were in the summer going to you know, New York radio station or wherever, you know, it's like... We were going, at that time, people weren't really monetizing social media like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it was really like appearances. And I, I honestly, I feel like him and a couple other, we came to LA and when we started meeting other Viners and other like social media people, that's when we really started to break the mode of like, oh shit, we can get this money from Honda. Mm. Like, oh, we can get this money from Tostitos. Like, oh, we can get NFL money. Like, oh, what the MLB wants us to go to the to a baseball game and have you throw the first pitch like wow that's when we when we came to LA that's when we really started to like grow from that but mm-hmm. there was a time we were in I believe I could be wrong I could believe it was somewhere in Connecticut it, it might have been right outside of DC it was snowing hard as fuck <laughs> and you know we're not from that we, we tropical yeah you know we're Florida. from Florida like we from the swamp like <laughs> we used to rain and like hot like summers so we were going to these places, and we met this girl who just got, like, I guess, like, a heart replacement or something mm. crazy, whatever. And that night at the club before, the guys were like, yo, we don't know if you guys want to come. It's only, like, a couple people. And Juan is just like, it doesn't matter if there's only one person in there. Mm. They came out their house in the snow to come see me. Yeah. And even if I can make that one person, yeah. and I feel like that's something we learned at Nike through customer service. Do whatever you have to do to make that person happy. Yeah. But you also have to have it in your heart. Yep. You know, and I feel like we both had it in our hearts to do right by people. Mm-hmm. So we sat down and we had a, you know, we had a, I think it was the same trip we actually saw the monuments. Uh, but we had a sit down with this girl. Mm-hmm. Like these people, like when you go small towns like this and you're, I don't think people realize like social media people are like really like stars. Yeah. And when they go to these places, like people really worship the ground that you walk on. Mm-hmm. People take us to these restaurants, like order whatever you want free. Like, boom, yo, wow. this is my mom. This is my cousin. Like people just show up out of nowhere. Like, oh, okay, cool. Nice to meet you. Like, this is awkward, you know? Um, and we sat down and we had Boya uh, La Brasa with this girl. And after she left, I, it makes me emotional. She just, we were just crying. Yeah. Because we're like, oh my God, like this is such a beautiful perspective on life. Yeah. Like we're living this super fast life and from like this device, you know, it's really like impacting this girl. She's over here like, yo, I was watching this in my deathbed type of thing. Wow. And we're like, oh my God, like, yeah. We, you know, you don't think of your impact. Yeah. But like, even if it's just that one person, yes. like, that just matters. That one person, yeah. So, just like stories like that, like us going to see the monuments for the first time and crying, like, oh my God, this is so beautiful. Like, we not from this shit. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Like, we from the mud. Like, where <laughs> I first moved in, in Florida, to the Reef Club, he lived across the street in the Cascades. So, like, that area now was nicer, but at that time wasn't really, like, that nice. Mm-hmm. So, even though he was still living there, like, I remember this fool was eating hot dogs every day. Mm-hmm. You know, there'd be time that I, like, bring him leftovers from my crib. Like, yo, my mom made some food. Like, boom. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever. And, you know, it wasn't that his parents never had it. He just didn't. He was just prideful. Mm -hmm. You know, like, yo, mom, I'm good. I don't want nothing from you. I'm straight like I'm a man. Mm -hmm. And that's just, like, speaks to the character of, like, him. So there was a lot of great stories that, you know, I probably don't remember right now. I'm not saying that they don't have value. That's a really good story that you just shared right there. So it was it was amazing. And there's times that they were bad. Like, I remember one time we got picked up and apparently there was an argument that happened that didn't involve us before we landed. And this guy was like, yo, we're going to fuck you up. Like, blah, blah, blah. We're not paying you shit. And like took us to serve drugs. It was so crazy. And then at the end of the night, he brought us back home and there was a gang fight. And some dude got knocked out. Some dude was trying to say I was hollering at his girl. I'm like, I don't even know you. Like, <laughs> I want to be at the hotel. So it, was, it there were certain times that it was a lot of danger, but there was a lot of times that really brought us together as brothers that, you know, could never separate us. So after the Vine, yeah. you know. Oh, craze, traveling. Crazy, yep. What happened next? Um, so within that time, I also was meeting one of my best friends now, Ricky. Mm-hmm. And I met him through ex girlfriend of mine, and we just became friends. And he, knew, I was looking for photography and stuff like that for mm. the blog. And he was like artsy, like kind of knew what was up. He was around like a different crowd of people that I wasn't really around because although we're from very close areas, we're from very different places at the same time. And Rick also had been living in New York and Miami, mm. so he also had like a different perspective that I kind of vibed with already. Yeah. And he was like, yo, let's go to L.A. And at that time, I had never been. Mm -hmm. And all this stuff was happening with Juan. But, you know, Juan is very family-oriented. So he, like, really likes to be around his family, Mm -hmm. which I am too, but I want to explore. So I'm like, I'm going to take the trip to to L.A. Me and my homies, we went. And we had, you know, a really great experience. Um, Every morning shots. That's when I actually stopped smoking weed. (laughs) Because we smoked so much weed that I was just like, I'm cool. Like, I can't. This for, the is, rest, for the rest of my life. Rest, I mean, really, I'm like, I don't need to be smoking bud no more. Like, this is crazy. Like, this, yeah. it was it was out of this world. Yeah. Um. So I came back, and then me and Juan had some stuff going on that we finished up, and kind of at a crossroads. And, you know, I, I, I really was falling in love with L.A. We had come to L.A. a couple times already, and I just felt like it was for me. I felt like it was time for me to take a chance and kind of re retool and refocus on the things that I wanted to do in my life. And um, L.A. felt like the right place for me to do that. So once you made that decision, like, okay, I'm going to move to L.A., um, I heard you drove Mm -hmm. from Florida to L.A. What was that like? (laughs) I tell people all the time, the scariest day was the first day. Yeah? Yeah. Were you completely by yourself? Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, By myself completely, packed my stuff. My dad actually left the house before me. So I never got to say bye to him, technically. He probably didn't want to yeah. say goodbye. Yeah, he was probably so sad. I left so at sad. like 6 a.m. like type oh. of thing. So he probably didn't want to see my mom was crying. They yeah. didn't believe me at first when I was like, I'm moving to L.A. They They're never like, do. You? <laughs> okay, we'll see. And then when they see me getting my maleta <laughs> and everything, they're like, oh, yo, you surreal. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I was driving and I, I would just never forget that night in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Like, I stopped in Louisiana after 12 hours of driving and I never felt more alone in my life. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? I'm here. Like, I'm far from home. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I, I, you know, I, I parked by this, this Waffle House, which I fuck with Waffle House a long way, but this must have <laughs> been the most sketch 
Waffle House ever because I didn't really plan. Yeah. I was like, you know what? Like, go. I'm going to drive 12 hours and wherever I stop off the freeway, that's where I stop. So I took all my stuff from my car into my apart into the uh, the room. Yeah. And I cried. Wow. I was just like, what? Like, I can't believe it. I'm leaving everything I once knew, like making good money, traveling with my friends. Like, you know, what is it that I really want out of this? Yeah. You know, and I think like those look in the mirror moments are like completely necessary for yeah. everyone. Yeah. And just like those those life defining moments of like, you know what? This is it for me. I'm going to make this decision. So uh, I had no job. Ricky and some of, you know, Ricky and Joe and Jenny, um, which I really didn't know at that time, actually. Like mm-hmm. I went to high school with Jenny, mm-hmm. um, Joe's girlfriend, for people who don't know. But I wasn't really like cool with her like mm-hmm. that. It was like, oh, yeah, I see you around. Yeah. You know? Joe, I knew him from kind of like the same thing, like through Ricky's homies, like mm-hmm. DJing, stuff like that. Like, okay, like I know he's around, like I hang out with him a couple of times, but he always seemed like a stand-up guy, mm-hmm. but it was really a shot in the dark. I didn't really know him like that, you know, yeah. and they were nice enough to like be like, hey, you know what, if you want to move here, like, you know, we got some tile floor with your name on it, you could occupy Aww. and, you know, they're all, because they're all new, so they're like, you know what, anyway, we could save money, Yeah. you know, get acclimated, get somebody else from back home who's like us, like, you know, no worries, so, um, after that first day, I was driving, the next day I was driving, I got a call from a Houston number, and I was like, don't nobody know me from Houston at that time, <laughs> and <laughs> I blocked it, and then I got a voicemail, and I was like, uh, let me listen to it, and it was this guy named Gabe, and he was like, hey... I heard you were moving here from Florida, and we're opening up a new Nike location at the Grove. I don't know mm. if you've ever been there, but we could really use your help opening it up, and we want to offer you a job. What? And it was like that night after I prayed, like, Lord, please give me some sort of Ooh, opportunity. I don't know what is going to happen. Like, <sighs> let's just get it. And um, Got in the universe, man. Yep. I drove another day. I stopped at this hotel because I had a dinosaur in the front, and then I left, and... <laughs> I uh, got here and literally, like, it was my birthday when I, or, like, the day before my birthday and, uh, or the day of my birthday. And then the next day I had an interview in Beverly Hills. <laughs> what a trip. Yeah. What a, what a crazy, Rodeo, I guess. crazy, I don't Twist even know if it was, like, a 48-hour, 36-hour, I don't know how Oh, how I got here in three days. So I did 12 hours every day. So, like, 72 hours? Is yeah, that and I stopped in Dallas, which is really nice. I met, like, this really nice old lady at a Burger King. And she's like, you're so handsome. Where are you going? To L.A.? And I was like, yeah, I am actually. She's like, you look like it. I was like, oh, thanks. See, there are good people out there. Yeah, it was good. It was a great experience. Driving cross country, like, even if you're not moving, I say you do it. Yeah. Because you get to see, like, so many different states and you come across so many different people. Like, the U.S., although we have our own issues, like, I feel like it's a good experience for people. Noted. I think I want to do that one day. You should. Talk a little bit about what your experience was like once you got here and you're just, like, settling in. Uh, it was, uh, different. Yeah. Even though I had come here a bunch of times, it was different, like, I live here now. Mm-hmm. Even though it wasn't such a drastic change, because I had stayed here for, like, months at a time at mm-hmm. one point, it became, like, now mommy and daddy not here, you need to make food, now you're living with people, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you're going out different places, like, it's, a. Uh, it really became like more of a submersive experience and it was like, oh, I really don't have friends. Mm-hmm. You know, I really don't know where the cool people are. Shit. I don't even think people think I'm cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? I feel like people looking at me like, you know, LA, I think LA for a fact is a very prideful place. Mm-hmm. A very like, you know, they bleed blue. Like this is our city. Like, yeah. you know, they ride for it. And mm-hmm. I'm not really like, a, I'm not from that. 
So me was kind of like, I felt kind of like, oh, I'm from Florida, which even though I'm very proud to be from Florida, like I always rep Florida, I'm never going to be like, I'm from LA. Like I have too much respect for the people who are from here that live here that, you know, that are what the soil represents to ever say that, you know, like I'm from this because I'm not. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was definitely like really interesting, like meeting new friends and like still pursuing creative dreams and that's kind of how the dj thing came along because mm. i was throwing parties and i wanted to throw parties and i would go into venues and people would be like who are you <laughs> what'd you do like no thank you, you needed to build. you needed to build like some type of cred of like this is this is what i'm bringing to the table Absolutely. so because you don't know me i want to yep. throw a party but let me show my talent here and then put bingo. everything together bingo oh and sense. that's how this setup was born nice talk a little bit about this setup. Uh, so it was like this series of series of parties that um, I can honestly say uh, nobody was fucking with it, and I mean in in a way like your shit wasn't as popping as ours. Like I'm gonna get my shit off for that party. Like I don't talk a lot of shit, but for that specific party, out of all the time I've been living here, there has not been not a party close to that party at all. Like that- Anthony's nodding in the back, and I can yeah I can attest to that as well because there was a point where there was a line so long in security. And it was just ridiculous to try to get in there. It was, yeah. So Shaq, or Lady, who he goes by, uh, he gave me an opportunity that I'll never forget. Like, he was like, yo, you got really good taste in music. You should think about DJing. Like, here's this DDJSX, like this controller. Learn how to use it. And I was like, man, I really want to throw parties. Like, you got a really nice crib. Like, can we do it? And he's like, yeah, I'm starting this production company called Goldview, my friends. And we can make whatever dreams you have, like, come to life. And I was like, you know, I really want to build, like, stuff that people can be Again, like how Halloween Horror Nights is, like, submerged and I want people to walk into an experience, mm. not just being in a backyard. Yeah. And, you know, their whole team, you know, was really great in, you know, making and understanding our vision. Like, me and Shaq really built a vibe, you know, even though I wish we spoke more now, mm-hmm. um, but we all, we just, like, busy. Mm-hmm. Um, me and him, I really felt like created something that was so impactful. You know, years later, people will still ask me, like, when's the next one? Yeah. You know, and I don't think... I think even if I did another one, it wouldn't be the same because yeah. it was just I was just in a different place in my life. Yeah, and you know I met a lot of great people through that. I cemented a lot of great friendships through that. Like mm-hmm. that opened so many doors for me. Like that series of party really kind of catapulted like not my social status, but just like who I want to be seen as, mm-hmm. you know, culturally. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so. Shout out Goldview, they're still doing great production stuff, and shout out Shaq, and shout out Oshkosh, actually, she's also helped me learn how to DJ. I feel like this side up kind of was an opportunity for you to bring what you did in Florida, mm-hmm. to bring it to LA, and show like, okay, this Absolutely. is what I do back home, This is let me show you what I, what I can yeah. do here. Absolutely. I wanted to bring that, like, because first time I ever go to tenants, they racially profiled me and Ricky, mm. and they told us that we don't look like the type of people who belong there. So wow. I'm like, I'm like, oh, word perfect i don't want to be here <laughs> and i was told ricky straight up we were walking to the car i was like you know what those people are gonna ask me to do a party one day hey. and, be, and i'm gonna be like nah oh so um which that did ended up happening but um yeah that definitely then we went to this place called cha-cha lounge next <laughs> and that shit was cracking and yep. it was great and you know it was kind of good that ricky and them had already kind of been around a little bit because they kind of already did the whole, like, well, this is not cool. This is cool. Let's try this. Let's try that. So I got in there like, yo, this place is kind of cool. Like, we think this is, like, lit. Like, let's try over here. Like, let's try the Virgil. You know what I mean? Like, those type of places. So, But, yeah, I just wanted to kind of bring the southern hospitality 
yeah. um, aspect okay. of back home to LA. Yeah. Because I feel like, again, it comes down to being proud. Like, no, this is our space. This is our area. Like, you're not from here. Like, you know. And I was like, you know, man, I come with love. Yeah. You know, I come to create. I come to, to build things that are People are in LA aren't very open and friendly. I don't feel. It's, not everybody. You will find some. I mean, I've met a lot of great people. I met you guys. You know, I think it's just about, like, where you position yourself and what you want. Like, I get it. A lot of people are here to, like, chase dreams. And, mm-hmm. like, they're really, you know, have their vision set on something, which is cool. But, you know, I just try to tell people, like, just don't forget your morals. Mm-hmm. You know, like, don't 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 lose yourself in it because it's very easy to be lost in it. Yep. I've been lost in it. Yeah. So it's easy to get lost and, like, just stay true to yourself and, like, just remember who your friends are. Yeah. Because you'd be surprised when you lit and you, everything is cracking. Yep. You, every, everybody's my phone, bro, my brother, I love you. And that's another thing, too. Stop telling oh, Never mind. All right. <laughs> never mind. I'll let it go into Speak a whole different... Okay. <laughs> I, I just take the word love very seriously. Okay. And I think that a lot of people, I love you, bro. I love you, sis. Or like, oh, I love him, like... Don't use that word so loosely because mm. these people don't love you. These streets definitely don't love you. Shit will get cold quick. So I'm just like, you know, <laughs> Amp had it tight enough. He feeling it in the back. He's like, yes, King, yes. No, That's but, what he's saying in his head. I'm just like, you know, I love L.A. I fell in love in L.A. You know, there's a lot of love in the city. So you wanted to do something creative. Um, so what came next? Um, so at that time, like life was kind of going for me, um, DJing more, going to different parties, uh, meeting people, falling in love. And I was in a relationship at the time and we got a dog. His name is Prince. I love him very much. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and, uh, I just was like, wanted to start something. I always felt, I wanted to get back to my roots of things, which was like footwear, fashion, streetwear, Mm -hmm. like those, those pockets of things and creating stuff like that. And I wanted something that reflected my heritage, mm-hmm. but at the same time wasn't so unpalatable to people who weren't, excuse me, Latino. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sorry, I don't really don't drink soda, just in case you guys are like, why are you stopping? I have a little, what they call, acidit. <laughs> um, so uh, I was doing that, and I was like making this logo, and I was living with this guy at the time, uh, my two roommates, Ricky and Paolo, these guys. And Paolo had like Red Panther cracking at the time, and I was kind of nervous because I didn't want people to feel like I was doing it just because like oh, you have this wonderful resource right next to you. Like, he will tell you I was hiding it. I didn't even tell him. Like, not until the t-shirts were made, until the logo was done. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is me, you know? That's really what uh, the brand is called, Bueno, or It Means Good, Um, whatever's easiest for you. um, I kind of go with either or. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just wanted to create something that was for the younger version of me. Mm. Um, And, uh, yeah, it was just a great opportunity to make product. And... I really wanted to capitalize on it and, you know, not to make it about other people. But I looked at my dog and I looked at my girlfriend at the time and I was like, we deserve better than what we have right now. And I think this is an opportunity to do something that I really believe in that can change our lives. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want, uh, you know, my dog to not have a yard. You know, I don't want, you know, not that your woman shouldn't work, but I want my woman to have the option mm-hmm. of like, you know what? I don't want to work. Or like, I do want to work or like, mm-hmm. I want to chase my dream full time, like whatever. Mm-hmm. that's just kind of like the driving spirit of what the foundation of like the brand was it was like i have this great option to tell my story mm-hmm. and provide product for people like me when i was younger and try to change the lives of people around me i feel like i strive to be a solution in the people that mm-hmm. are around me's life 
Yeah. You know, I feel like that's like a true one of the true definitions of success when you become a solution to people's problems. Um, so I was like, I'm going to use this to tell my story and better my life. And so Bueno was born. Oh. And I did a giveaway just to kind of speed things up a little bit. Did a giveaway. I uh, met, I gave this girl a tea who won through the mail. I'd never seen her in my life. Her boyfriend happened to be a sales rep. And um, I had met him. He came into the store. I didn't know that it was him. And then we had the conversation. He was like, oh, that's your brand? And I was like, yeah. He was like, I really like it. Uh, you know, I work at an agency. Um, you know, his name is Peter Bueno. So <laughs> it, like, worked out that what? his last name was Bueno on top of that. Wow. So he was already, like, on board with it. And I was already kind of looking for somebody to help me because I was like, I know I'm making, like, cool stuff. But I don't really know, like, the business side of, like, streetwear. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. I'm just, like, thinking, like, okay, maybe somebody will buy it online. But I was really just giving most of it away. Mm-hmm. Uh, just so people can wear it and um yeah he ended up getting me some accounts we ended up you know getting urban outfitters Mm -hmm. in every store in the nation but um it's been like a really great lane for me to create things that mean stuff to me Mm -hmm. and that tell my story in a more tangible fashion I feel like with the parties it was more like an experience Mm -hmm. but like you know you go to a party like oh that party was dope and you wake up oh my work like you know what I mean like shit continues but like when you have something tangible that you can touch, that you can feel, that you can hold, that you went and bought yourself, it kind of just gives you a different yeah. experience, more like a full circle thing. So, um, yeah, the brand was just built through, like, my story, you know, me growing up and kind of, like, what this podcast is, like, the nostalgic, you know, aspect of things I feel like kind of plays a role in all our lives at this yeah. age. So, um, yeah, and I think so far the brand is on its way to doing that. Some people yeah. are around, some people not, but... You yeah. know, the ball keeps Good rolling, question. and, you know, we got a lot of great things coming up. We got a lot of new stuff coming out, uh, a lot of great uh, graphics, and hopefully we'll be doing a pop-up shop soon. Not really too sure where. I don't want to give too much out because I don't want to count my chickens before they hatch, but <laughs> soon. I just want to talk about um, Bueno really quick and how I remember the day that Anthony was like, yeah, Alex wants to, like, hang out with me like he's just being kind of weird and I don't know he just like wants me to come hang out and or whatever show me something and then he's like comes back I think he has a shirt and he's like oh yeah so like Alex is starting this brand called Bueno and yeah this is the shirt I'm like oh dude that's sick then fast forward to like Anthony saying like yo like Alex got the, the got Bueno got one of his shirts in Urban like what urban like yeah. urban is popping. and i was kind of skeptical at first because like just worried about being cool you know it's kind of like oh like i don't want to lose like being cool like i don't want people to think that it's not cool and just to kind of partner back up go listen to Anne's episode and then come back and listen to this one because it, it shows you like when i was talking about how people are books and you decide if you want to be in people's book or not like we're from two completely different places yep. and through that story we ended up at this place now to where Mm -hmm. like I'm talking to his future wife on her podcast (laughs) you know like it's just been a really great interesting story and like even through the brand I feel like has even brought us closer because he was one of the first people that I felt comfortable with like introducing the idea of the brand to Mm -hmm. he was already working at Rip and Dip at this time like Mm -hmm. I was already doing I took a job that he tossed over to me and it was like a really great opportunity but it kind of gave me the freedom to like really push the brand Mm -hmm. and um yeah, ended up joining Commonwealth, and I feel like that also helped the brand because then people see you in a cool store, and they're like, oh, you know your shit. Like, yeah. And I'm super grateful that Commonwealth gave me an opportunity as well. Paolo, you know, connected the dots on that for me and just trying to be in there and, like, learning more about streetwear, going to more events, and just having more of a, uh, a hand on the pulse of what's going on. Mm-hmm. I feel like has definitely helped the brand tremendously. So 
we're in the, you know, just outside of Urban Outfitters, we're in a couple other stores as well in Japan. That kind of threw me for a loop too. And I'm like, well, we're in Japan. Like, <laughs> like I didn't even think I had Japanese food at that time. You know what I mean? It was a, it was, it was crazy, but I'm super grateful and I'm super excited for the path that the brand is, is on. And I'm excited. I really want to create people that create things that people feel comfortable wearing. I think that Bueno just really tells a story and a lot of people love it and can relate to it. And it's, it's like sick ass shit. So, you know, um, I'm excited for, yeah, I'm excited for what's to come for you. And I know everybody's going to be, um, you know, tuning in and making sure that they are, you know, know what's next and and what the next event is, the next drop. And, um, so before we go, um, and we jump into the next segment when we talk, when we go over our questions from our listeners, Mm -hmm. I have two last closing questions that I ask all my guests. Um, the first question is, what drives you to do what you do? Uh, you know what? I was having a conversation with myself, <laughs> actually, about this the other day. Like, how do I want to be remembered? Mm. And I think it's more so, like, just legacy. Mm-hmm. Um, just telling my story and then leaving uh, something for my children. Mm-hmm. Um, I want, growing up, I mean, my parents did a great job. It's not, like, a slight to them at all, but we didn't necessarily have everything, even though I consider myself spoiled. <laughs> um, we didn't have everything. And I remember there was times, like, oh, why the kid got, oh, he got the fresh gear. Mm. Like, oh, he got this. And I'm like, why don't I have that, you know? But as I got older, you know, I realized, like, there's a stigma about, like, being rich or, like, having rich parents or, oh, this person is entitled. They have this and other. Like, their parents did what they needed to do. Mm-hmm. to get their family where they wanted it to be so that way their can their kid can have those advantages. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And overall my perspective I'm just at an age not necessarily that I'm looking for someone but that's kind of like where I'm at. I want my kids to be mm-hmm. that kid that got everything. Mm-hmm. You know, and like yeah. I want my family whoever they are, my wife, whoever she is, like to be good. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to tell my mom like yo this debt boom that's paid, you know. And granted that's really rare to come across in streetwear that people get to that level. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, that's okay. But I'm 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 pretty certain I see what I want what my life to look like. You know. You definitely have vision. You've yeah. throughout your whole story, you've had a lot of vision and so, you're here. Yeah, it's been a journey and you know, it's not I think people need to fall in love with the journey. I think social yes. media makes you feel like it's the destination, it's the destination like and I actually learned that from running. I used to run a lot and I would constantly look forward like oh i'm gonna get to that stop sign i'm gonna i would constantly put like checkpoints like dude just run Mm -hmm. put your head down get your hands dirty and just run Mm -hmm. and i feel like people need to grab that same mentality towards what they're doing you know like the same day you plant the seed isn't the same day that you bear the fruit Mm. so like take your time Mm -hmm. do the right thing there's going to be bumps in the road um but we'll get there and you'll get there yeah. I'm still getting there. I do not have it figured out. Trust me. So that leads to our next question. What does success look like to you? Happiness. Mm-hmm. Just being happy. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's there's no better feeling than feeling fulfilled mm-hmm. with like what you're doing in your life and your work. Yeah. Regardless of like who's around you or like your financial situation. There have been times I've been dead broke and happy. Mm-hmm. And there's been times that. I've had the most money I've ever had in my life and been depressed mm. and had anxiety and mm. all these things that I never dealt with. 
Yeah. So it's uh, it's just being happy. It's just finding like that self love and doing mm-hmm. what you love. Like mm-hmm. a lot of people are scared to quit that job. Yep. You know, for whatever the reason is, and I get it as we get. But that's that's why time is of the essence. Time is something that you can't get back. It's our most valuable asset, right? Like. As we get older, our responsibilities only become more. You're only going to meet somebody. You're only going to have a kid. You're only going to adopt. You know what I mean? Like, you're only going to get a house. Like, you have to take the chance now mm-hmm. while the stakes are low because mm-hmm. you have the rest of your life. Guess what? College ain't going nowhere. Mm-hmm. Nike isn't closing down. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You can always go back to these places. Like, just take the chance. Jump off the bridge. Like, if somebody's holding you back in your life, even if they're your best friend, let them go. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, whatever you need to do sacrifice whatever you need to sacrifice because the last thing you want to do is like look up and not for be fulfilled with your life and be unhappy yeah ultimate happiness and granted we're people so we're always gonna be moving the goalpost right but um i think that's important so you continuously have new aspirations and say hey you know this pottery class makes me happy now this like photoshop class makes me happy whatever that is that makes you happy i just feel like that is the ultimate goal of success is just happiness yeah some financial stability (laughs) we all got bills you know like everybody alex is so righteous like i I, get your money though (laughs) get your money though so before we jump into segment number three i just want to thank again alex thank you for being here thank you you for telling your story i hope i'm sorry i was late i wish we had more time i have like so much still to say no we're good we're good um thank you for being here thank you for telling your story thank you for being an inspiration to me and Anthony, you know, the things Stop. that you've done and like we see the hard work that you do and we know sometimes like I've heard Anthony say like, oh, he doesn't want to go out because he's working on Bueno and you know what? That's discipline and yeah, that's like, you. you know, your passion and, you know, you fulfilling yourself and that is definitely doesn't go unnoticed. So just know that we see you thank and you. we're with you and we thank support you. you and everybody go out there and cop some Bueno. Um, let's get, let's um, get into segment number three. Uh, what? So during this segment, um, listeners send in questions for our guests. And so we got a few questions for Alex. Um, <clears> the <throat> first question is, what are some some of the challenges you faced moving from Florida? Uh, definitely loneliness. Mm-hmm. Um, like I mentioned before, just feeling like unaccepted, outsider, um, but also kind of realizing like who I am, like I am good enough, like I am extroverted, I, I can't speak to people, I do have a gift of gab and <laughs> I don't really like talking about myself in that way because I feel like it kind of <laughs> makes me like I'm bigging myself up, like I'm this like, but I do have confidence in myself, like I'm a good looking dude, I'm young, I got a bright future and this this kind of kicked me in the ass, mm-hmm. that was kind of like the wake up call, so I feel like if anybody's comfortable in their life and they need change, like Move somewhere new and you'll be awoken very quickly. You'll get to know yourself. Yep. I like that. Another question we got was, what was the turning point of your journey? Did you realize it immediately when it happened? Uh, You know what? I still don't think I've kind of gotten to that point yet. Okay. I still feel like I'm kind of on that upward climb. I really haven't had a moment where I'm like, my aha moment. Mm. Like, you know, I think when I buy the crib or like something like that, you know, I'll be like, okay, like I turned the corner, you know, I still feel like I'm on that, that journey right now. So, um, I don't think, yeah, I'm just hungry. So I'm, I don't think I really, yeah, I don't think I really (laughs) have hit that point yet. All right. Another question we got was how does Bueno make you feel being Latino and representing for us? I mean, I'm very proud. Got to put this on your back. Yeah, I'm not I'm not necessarily like a wear it on my sleeve type of guy because it's just like in me. Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of feel like sometimes when people wear things on their sleeve like too much, too it comes much. it comes off as unauthentic. Yes. So yes. I'm just like, just let it be. Let it come out. 
like mm-hmm. naturally. You know, I don't need to scream like this is a Latin streetwear brand. Like all Spanish people need to be wearing this. Like no, the whole thing is like spreading our culture, not like necessarily shoving monetizing. It on, yeah, monetizing it and like shoving it onto people who aren't Latin yeah. or Hispanic or whatever word that you use. Um, it's uh, opportunity to teach mm. people and like Exposure. say, hey, like you know. We do other things outside of, like, casting the same Latin women in films or, like, going to the same Spanish, you know, like, Taco Bell is not Spanish food, bro. You know, like, <laughs> it's it's an opportunity to show that we are, art, are uh, artistic, intelligent people. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we really don't get enough credit for our contributions to society. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that's kind of, like, where I'm at. That's how it makes me feel. So I'm rooting for us. <laughs> what made you want to start a clothing brand? Uh, I mean, like I mentioned before, I kind of just looked at my situation and like thought about who I was growing up and like what was missing from the streetwear market, you know, mm-hmm. something that I felt like represented me. Um, and that told my story or like, you know, was was in a space that I could relate to. Mm-hmm. You know, I do have a retail background and I do want to like work in footwear one day, too. Mm-hmm. So I do want to like have collaborations and do those things with larger companies. So. Um, that's, that's definitely part of the inspiration, but yeah, honestly, just like at that time, looking at my dog and our situation and like how I was living, not that it was like, we were super poor, you know what I mean? I don't want to like, pull, I don't want to like paint no picture like, oh damn, they was eating, they was eating bowls of sleep for dinner. Like, nah, it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't like none of that, but you know, just like looking at my girl at that time and looking at the dog and you know, my situation and like where my family is and just, yeah. like, you know, I came out here for a reason, you know, I, I want to change our lives. I want to be the reason why, you know, we're happy and have the opportunity to do different things and travel and why not definitely there's a lot of inspiration in your story and there's like like I said there's a lot of vision in your story you're able to visualize and go for it and I mean all the things that you said you wanted to do it sounds like you do yeah I mean so far so good right I mean we're, we're about to see what how the rest of the year unfolds and you know, I have some things coming up that, you know, I like I said I want to count my chicks before they hatch but I just want to leave some people with some advice do it it's uh, do what you love and love will follow. I feel like that's a good one. Um, another one is heavy is the head that wears the crown. So people that feel like they're being attacked, you know, for whatever reason, it's like, dude, you just got greatness in you. Mm. So people are not going to understand, you yeah. know, where you're at, where you're coming from or like your situation. Just like understand that, you know, when you're on the top and you're standing at the top, people are, are going to, you know, question you, your integrity mm-hmm. and things of that nature. But you know, a king doesn't fold. You gotta stay true. Damn. I hope you guys all took notes. <laughs> Let's jump into segment number four. Yo, talk that talk. So during this segment, we just talk about current events and whatever's going on. And so one of the first things we wanted to talk about today was uh, the Popeye's chicken sandwich. Fire. What are your What are your thoughts? You hear that? That's the sizzle because the shit is hot. <laughs> So I feel like, well, I know that Alex is the only one that's here that actually has had it. So yeah, I mean, here's the thing: I'm not really like a big fast food guy, so I kind of feel like my perception of like chicken sandwiches isn't really the best because I don't even eat Chick Fil A like that. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. people, are, they, the main thing they ask me is like, "Oh, how's it compared to Chick Fil A?" To me, Chick Fil A is whatevs. So mm-hmm. when I say that, people are always like, "Oh, you're bugging like Chick Fil." I'm like, "Nah, Popeyes though, they got it. Right. The price is super good." Yeah. It was fast, it was hot, it was fresh, and the chicken was mad thick. Compared to <laughs> compared to the Chick-fil-A one is mad little and they get that little pepper jack cheese. This one don't even have cheese. Does it it doesn't need the cheese? Nope. 
Damn. Because the spicy one is that good. Okay. What are your thoughts, Anthony? I attempted to go yesterday on my lunch, but it was like a DMV. <sighs> like, it was so packed, like 30 cars in the drive-thru, 50 people yeah, inside. Exactly. Bro, this is great. You went to one right here? In, yeah, the uh, USC. USC one. I just went to Taco Bell. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. Had to throw in the towel. It's too lit. So... That's what he thinks about that. So I guess we're good there. But I don't encourage you guys to eat like a lot of it or like. I feel like we should share. We share one because I feel like it's too much. That's why I'm kind of afraid to have it. Yeah, you could. You could. You could definitely. Anthony doesn't share though. I want to try it. I mean, I smashed mine. Yeah. Okay. But that's what I do. So the hype is real. It's true what they say about the Popeyes chicken sandwich. Okay. So the next thing that we want to talk about um, is the Meek Mill documentary called Free Meek Mill. And so I thought it was a really cool opportunity for Meek Mill to tell his story and just like really highlight um, just the injustice that's, you know, prison and all that, that whole thing. Um, This man has been on what, like probation for like 11 years Mm -hmm. and um, just for stupid stuff. And you can just see that the judge really, really like got picky and, and just wanted him to do what she wanted him to do and then kind of just like ran with it. Um, I'm really happy that he put this out and I'm really happy that people are getting to know what his story is and like really like learn about him getting his ass beat for nothing um, and then being thrown in jail and just that story. Um, I don't know. Anthony, what do you think? Yeah, I just think it was just really sad. Yeah. You know, it was just depressing how like one person could just hold the life over your head for so many years. Um, and just being in, from where he's from, you know, it's like you're not trying to get in, involved in gangbanging, but you do sometimes feel comfortable with protection. And that kind of just like ruined his whole life. Mm-hmm. And I don't really feel like that was necessarily his fault, you know, but it's just pretty crazy. It's a crazy story. I feel like everyone should watch it. It just definitely makes his music not sound better, but like you're like, oh, you like, relate on a different yeah, level. Like, like just, it, it, it the does kind of hit different. different yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think it's it's really good, and I think it's like getting really good awareness, and I think it's really important. Criminal justice reform is definitely something that we need to work on. I know this doesn't have anything to do with the Meek Mill thing, but yo, if you guys were here right now, they're so cute. Like, <laughs> with the way that they talk to each other, like, she, he didn't even say nothing funny. She's giggling. I'm like, damn, I didn't get a laugh the whole damn segment. Oh, oh my, my gosh. gosh. I love them. Okay. I really do. This is great. <laughs> but yeah, go for, uh, watch Free Meek. Free Meek Mill on um, Amazon Prime. Yep. Yeah. All right. Next subject that we want to talk about today is Jay-Z partnering with the NFL. I mean, I think it's a good thing. I know he's getting a lot of, like, backlash from athletes, but I feel like there's a lot of parts of the deal that aren't disclosed to Mm -hmm. the public. And I think as time moves forward, it's more like a deal with the entire, like, Rock Nation, I believe, where they're controlling, like, entertainment and things like that, which I, you know, the NFL is kind of like the poster child for... any racist headlines when it comes to sports or you know and rightfully so they do things that are so unjust yeah um but i I think it's a good thing that even players now feel comfortable speaking out even against like hey jay-z this doesn't make sense we need details you know Mm -hmm. i think even that in itself is strong and a powerful message like players are feeling more comfortable to speak out and Mm -hmm. you know uh a guy like jay-z who doesn't need any money Mm -hmm. doesn't need any more money yeah, you, you know yeah, what I mean. He's he doing it just it. for the simple fact of like the what the idea of justice is, and I, and I think there was a there was a segment of him speaking about like it's not necessarily about the kneeling. Yeah, you know, like we're already past that. Yeah, it's like 
the next steps after that. Like everybody that was just awareness. Now it's action. Exactly. So what what's the next steps after that? And, you know, uh, it's kind of crazy how he's just become like this iconic figure outside of rap. Now we're trusting him with social issues. You know, he's part of the Meek Mill uh, documentary, too. He's like an executive. I don't know. He was he was on there, though. He was part of it. I mean, that's a great comeback story, too. I feel like Jay-Z is such a smart and strategic person that I trust that whatever he's doing is going to be for the benefit of the culture. Yeah. I don't... Like, look at what he's done. Look at everything he's done already with helping people. Um, it just doesn't make sense to me that he's doing this with ill intention. Yeah. And I think it's... It annoys... I'm just... Jay-Z is my favorite rapper, so let's just be real. Like, whatever he does, I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Like, where's the rock? Like, it is what it is. I mean, I think he deserves credit for being, like, the first to do something. Mm -hmm. And I think Jay-Z is a professional. Yeah. And an educated, you know, well-thought-out professional. So I agree with your your point. Mm -hmm. The other thing is, like, we can't make changes if we don't have a seat at the table. So it's like, if we can't get in there, then how are we going to change anything? So I think that people need to realize that as well. I mean, whatever. We'll see what happens. Um, I just trust that he has a plan in place and he'll do his best. And if he doesn't like what is going on, I'm sure he'll be like, I'm out, you know? Yep, I agree. Cool. Um, Next topic that we want to talk about. um, So there's a fire in the Amazon. Yes, that's so sad. So I don't even know how how big it is. I haven't read too much into it. Um, I was reading today that every minute a soccer field and a half is burning. Oh my gosh, that's so, a lot. Um, it makes up twenty percent of the oxygen. That's what I was reading. That comes, that's crazy. You know, um, through that through the rainforest itself. I think yeah. the other eighty comes from the ocean. Yeah. But still, like our oceans are polluted as well. So I don't know. I'm not a scientist. Um, from what I was reading, again, all speculation. That their government has something to do with it. Apparently, the the the, the president, quote unquote, mm-hmm. that they have in place right now was supposed to take initiative in stopping these things. Because mm-hmm. normally they do have fires. Mm-hmm. Like naturally, fires happen. In yeah, the, you know what I mean. It's just it's just yeah. part of the wilderness. Yeah, um, and the jungle. Uh, but I think the containment is the issue. Mm-hmm. That they're not working to contain it because they feel like there's a hidden initiative for deforestation. Wow. So I think that's really like what is kind of causing the friction. So again, it's like lack of information. I mean, granted, we do what we can to, you know what I mean, research and the internet is so vast. It's kind of hard to, you know what I mean? It's kind of hard to tell what's true. What's what's true. true Exactly. So, but it's just unfortunate to think like, you know, Amazonian people, you know, who live in these jungles Mm -hmm. or whatever, they're being burned out of their homes these animals are dying these plants are dying like a lot it needs to be an effort and i mean like there's things that we can do right like eat less meat you know that's like a smaller you know carbon footprint or whatever you know like i'm not i'm not sitting here like mr righteous Mm -hmm. but i did try to use absolutely i did try to use my platform to speak about it when i posted after i bought the popeye's chicken sandwich mm-hmm. and wrote that Popeye's is better than Chick-fil-A because that you know that's what people want to see right now mm-hmm. and then after that I put a whole bunch of facts of like what's going on with Amazon so then that way it was kind of like you know I already have your attention <laughs> at least if you Let didn't you know now you know yeah I don't know I think I'm just kind of annoyed that they didn't start like posting about the Amazon like yeah, I didn't really hear about weeks. it till like what well, like yesterday yeah, it was like going or, on for three weeks so yeah. that's ridiculous to me the other part of that is like it just I hate that people just are so disrespectful to our earth and to our environment. Like this is your home and without this home, like you can't live, you can't survive. And so people are entitled or or feel like they're bigger than 
than their their environment but they don't realize that one day you know if we really continue to treat our planet like this we're not going to be able to be living here and i just it's really it's it it blows my mind and even like i went on a twitter rant myself the other day about how i saw you know just like a bunch of trash you know in 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 like a a bike an electric bike just thrown on the side of the freeway and it's just like people are freaking disrespectful and it's like if if you're that disrespectful to the earth and just your your environment you're disrespectful to people that you think that don't have power or that can't do anything for you you're Mm -hmm. disrespectful to people that um don't have money if you have money you know we value money in this country you need to go back to the basic level of just like respecting our earth and respecting one another and and that's where it should all start and then moving from there like money money is power but money can't give you everything money money is not going to keep you freaking warm at night i mean maybe i mean i don't know maybe it will but like you might buy somebody to come (laughs) But at the end need, of the day, need that. <laughs> nah, I'm just kidding. Oh my no god. <laughs> but anyway, so you know, stay aware, read up on it, do what you nah, can. Absolutely, educate yourself on yeah. it. Yeah, mm-hmm. do what you can to help um, your environment. Absolutely. So that's about all the time we have today. Um, before we go, Alex, where can yeah. everybody find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Alexander underscore Blaine. Uh, you can go find the brand at It Means Good. Uh, online is www.itmeansgood.com. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. Thank you so much for link, being here. Link in bio. Yeah, link in bio. Stuff. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. I hope you guys all enjoyed Alex's, um, you know, story, life story. And thank and you for having me. I appreciate it. I'm, I was really excited to be here. <laughs> and I know this part will make it. So I'm going to tell you guys there's so much more like that I could have said. And I felt like I was just like overthinking. <laughs> he and did a great job. Gonna try and, and do in the I future, can. you're going to have to bring Alex back. They're, wow. We're going to have to do an episode with us three where we just talk about something. I don't know. Yeah, that'd be cool, too. We could just we'll always do like Maybe the, next season, yeah. you know, after you go through, you know. Got to get a few Definitely guests under my belt. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 100%. That'd be dope. Well, thank you so much, Alex, for being here. Um, thank you for listening. Growth Nostalgia is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google Play. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Um, link can be found on Instagram. Um, follow us on Instagram at Growth Period Nostalgia. That's G R O W T H period N O S T A L G I A. Growth Nostalgia is recorded in Los Angeles, California. Logo created by Adam Gonzalez. Intro and outro music by Damar Davis. Thank you guys so much for listening. Hit me up on IG. Have a good one. Bye. If I don't hit again, <laughs> dog, are you fuck? Yeah, I remember I was sitting in the studio with Dame Dash. <laughs> I played that beat. Like last call. <laughs> 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 oh shit. <laughs>